Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Rockets Lakers game five post game show and the final post game of the Rockets. Really bizarre 2019 2020 season. Joining me is co host and fellow H Town sports junkie Stephen Kerr, as always. And Stephen, do you really feel like analyzing this game or do you just want to quit on the podcast before it starts like the Rockets did these last two games? Well, uh, to quote George Washington, and I'll put your name instead of father, I'll say, Robert, I can't tell a lie. I had my ear on, I maybe have had half an ear on the Rockets game, and I had a pretty good ear on the uh, Texas Longhorn football game, and the, the Longhorns are like whooping up on UTEP, 45-3 to in the third quarter. That was a much more pleasant game than the Rockets game, so does that answer your question? <laughs> I, I guess uh, the Longhorns, though, they, they've got the same habit the Rockets do over the years, uh, last few years, haven't, haven't they? they? They play really good against bad teams, and when they play against good teams, it doesn't go so well. Yeah, there, there is that to consider. But, you know, you take them one at a time, and I guess, you know, it, you, you call it a bizarre season. Boy, it sure has been. But as far as the Rockets are concerned, it, it's just the same old script to me. You know, we, we had the... Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady disappointments. We had the disappointment in 2017 when the Rockets missed 27 consecutive threes. And then we have this series where the Rockets are up one game to none, looking almost unbeatable. And then the Lakers, I mean, I mean, that seems like a hundred years ago, Robert, because the Lakers just, they, they haven't been the same team since. It's like they came back with a mission after that first game. And as each game went along in the series, they just made it look easier and easier. And, you know, when the first quarter started in uh, Game 5, Robert, it was, I mean, I, I saw a stat before the game where the Rockets were next to last in this series in first quarter scoring. Well, after the horrendous first quarter they had, they probably last, which ends their season. They finish the season with three double-digit losses against the Lakers in a row. The Game two loss was by eight points. It didn't feel that close either. Uh, they just get crushed. There was a late run in that game four that made that game look a lot closer than it was. They lose by 10, but it felt like about 25 if it wasn't for that sort of uh, run that they made at the end. But here, here's what I'm thinking, you know, as we go forward with this show. We, we got to talk about Mike D'Antoni's future. And, you know, it, it was looking as though he needed to beat the Lakers to get through uh, to next year to get another contract. And, you know, he's made it sound like, according to reports by, you know, ESPN that, oh, the, or TNT, I forget. Somebody reported that, oh, it's his call, you know, or he's deciding whether he wants to come back to Houston well, I I don't think they want him. I don't understand why they would because, look, I mean, this was a team that didn't adjust at all these last four games. The Lakers did all the adjusting after game one, and the Rockets didn't counter it at all, and, and they frankly looked like a team that weren't ready to play mentally. And we could, you know, decide if we want to blame that on James Harden, which, you know, I, I like to do a lot of times, or... Mike D'Antoni, but the head coach has got to figure out a way to motivate guys. I don't know 
what the deal was, but they didn't look like they were ready to play, Stephen. Well, and we talked about this before, Robert. I don't understand how that is. This is the playoffs. This is, you know, and it's against the Lakers, a, a traditionally good team, except in the last few years until LeBron got there. But how do you not get up for a series with the Los Angeles Lakers against LeBron James? You know, the first playoff series the Rockets have ever had against LeBron James because he's been in the Eastern Conference most of his career until the last couple of years. And at least for this game, you cannot blame James Harden for not coming through. In fact, he was the only one who came through. He had absolutely no help. Russell Westbrook was no help. Nobody else came off the bench to replace Daniel House. You know, in in the last three games, the the shooting just hasn't been there. The Lakers were shooting over 60% from three-point range, which is something the Rockets can do on any given night. But they didn't do it in this series. So in my mind, yeah, D'Antoni may decide not to, his contract expires basically as of now, but why do you want to come back if you don't feel like you're wanted? Because I just don't think that D'Antoni will be wanted back, especially after the way things ended. You know, we talked about this, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, there's a great story on the ringer. And I I refer back to Kevin O'Connor's story because I think there was a lot of things that he said in that story that. I both agree with, and I was kind of feeling the same way myself, which is the Rockets are just this one trick pony when it comes to the postseason, And that's why I don't want Dan Tony back. It was give the ball to Harden and get out of the way or give the ball to Russell Westbrook, you know, or Chris Paul or whoever the, you know, other main guy is and get out of the way. And he talked about, this was an offense that needed variety in it. You can't rely on, one thing for your offense and be successful in today's NBA. And this is what I've kind of thought about the Rockets is, you know, there's just this reliance on, Hey James, go out there and and go one on five or, you know, set up the three point shooters, but you got the ball in your hands every time. And the Lakers just said, basically Steven in this series, we're going to come out and double you. And usually when that happened, he, he would make a bad pass he didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, that's partly on James or a lot on James. But also, you know, it was just, you know, if, if you take away that that option, the Rockets offense comes to a halt. Everybody's shown it over the last year. It's not like this is a new thing, and yet they keep doing the same thing. Well, clearly the philosophy needs to change, Robert, if the Rockets are going to take the next step. And if you look at how the Lakers played, yeah, they, they can beat you up like bullies inside but they also can go with a smaller lineup to match the Rockets and still be effective. So when it comes to versatility and when it comes to variety, at least against the Rockets, the Lakers have it figured out. But one trick pony, that that is the best way to describe the Rockets because while they showed flashes that they can be more than, you know, a multidimensional team, it wasn't consistent. I mean, they've proven that they can do it, but but they don't stick with it consistently. And if, if uh, James Harden doesn't score and doesn't score a lot, and if the other shooters aren't there, then their night is over. There, there's no way that they're going to win, certainly not in the postseason. You you can have a good regular season record. You can be the fourth, the fifth seed, and, you know, maybe and get away with that sort of thing. But when you get in the postseason, you've got to take it up a notch, and, and you've got to have that philosophy that you just talked about. And the Rockets didn't do either. I, I just... I couldn't believe how much standing around they were doing in the last few games of this series. Just 
flat-footed, just just as if they were waiting for something to happen, and to, except and and not attacking the moment and making something happen. You and I need to talk about, and we we might as well do it right now. We need to talk about what the Rockets need to do going into next year. And you know, I, I tweeted this out, and and maybe people might consider it harsh, but I said. It's time to trade no heart Harden and rebuild. No Rockets fan should ever care about the regular season as long as he's on the team. Uh, you know, you could say, well, he scored a lot in this game, but I'm just going to point out again that they just got killed four straight games. Uh, James didn't play well in some of those games. James doesn't play well in fourth quarters as it's been shown over and over again in the playoffs We've seen it a zillion times. Uh, there's nothing about his body language in games that ever has me feeling all that great because there are just there, there are those moments where you just see him make the lazy pass that we've seen a million times, not block out, uh, let a guy just drive by him with literally no interest in you know getting the guy, getting his feet in front of somebody, and you know that he can do all of these things because we see him do it. But it seems like, Stephen, you know, in the regular season, you might be able to get away with this stuff against crummy teams. But in the playoffs, you can't take seconds, milliseconds off in the middle of a game. And that is my problem with James Harden is he takes seconds off during games where he's not playing defense. He's not blocking out. You know, you could say, well, this is a mental thing where, you know, he's not, you know, he's, he doesn't know what to do. But. You know, I, I just think this is more of a heart thing. This is a guy that just doesn't have the motor or the want to or whatever would rather look good than, you know, put forth effort for an entire, tw you know, 48 minutes of a game the whole time that he's out there. And, and it, it's fine that he plays, you know, all these minutes and he doesn't miss anything, but it's easy not to miss minutes in a season and it's easy not to miss games when you're not putting forth full effort all of the time, he's great when he's got the ball in his hands, but then the other times he's not great. And that, and, and, and that's the problem. Well, if you're going to trade James Harden, the time to do it is now because you can still get something for him. And look, he's had eight seasons to figure this out, Robert. I mean, he's had more than enough time. It shouldn't take you eight years to win an NBA championship when you have a star player like James Harden. And and I was thinking about this the other day, even well before you know your tweet, and and it's even crossed my mind off and on, is that maybe it's time for the Rockets to trade James Harden. I don't think they're going to do it, at least not during this offseason. I, I really don't. But can't you trade him for a first round pick? Can't you trade him for somebody that that can bring the ball off the floor and do so? I mean, you can get some value for James Harden now, but if you wait another season, another couple of seasons. And he gets more years on him, gets more wear and tear on him, then it's not really going to be worth trading James Harden at that point. So if you're going to do it, the time to do it is now. Same with Russell Westbrook because that contract just gets worse and worse and worse. You know, forty-three million, then it's forty-five million, then it's forty-seven million. You got three more years left. He's only going to get worse because his body's going to start breaking down. He relies totally on his physical skill nothing on regular basketball skills like shooting and, you know, dribbling. And, you know, he's a bad dribbler a lot of the times. I mean, that's one thing that I, I've noticed over and over again that I, I, I might have missed when I was watching him with the Thunder. 
but you see him on a regular basis and he's not good at dribbling the basketball. His defense is good off ball, but as an on ball defender, he's terrible. And, and so when I look at what the Rockets have got to do, you know, if there's a time to get any value for these two guys, it's now. Otherwise, it's just you're going to run it back. This is going to be the same thing next year. I don't know what you can do. You, you don't have money to spend. You, you, nobody's going to want right. a lot of these guys for anything good. Eric Gordon has got what looks like a bad contract for him because he's got injury issues, and you got to pay him for three more years at $20 million. Is he worth $20 million a year considering he can't stay on the court and his three-point shooting has now become super inconsistent? No. To me, the biggest problem the Rockets have is the ability to maneuver because they really have no cap space. So they're going to have to pull off some kind of a trade to make that situation happen. Or they're going to have to get creative in some way. Uh, not to say that they can't, but you know they just they don't have a lot of room to maneuver as far as the, the cap space goes, and that's going to be a big problem going into the off season. Now I'm going to try to figure out a way that. Things can change for the Rockets, and this is going to be hard, Stephen. It's going to be really, really hard. Oh, God. Do you have a headache after figuring all that out? Um, the only thing that can happen is James has got to finally get it through his thick skull. I, I don't know how many times you run into a brick wall, and he's got to change. He's just got to be better. He's got to be a better leader. You know, it's it's on you when your team gets blown out, whether you're playing well in those games or not. It's on you. He's got to be a better leader. He's got to learn how to do that. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if you can learn leadership, but you can become a better leader. There are things that you can do. Russell Westbrook is in his 12th season. He just finished his 12th season in the NBA. Jason Kidd learned how to hit a jump shot. He was terrible when he started in the NBA. This was an all-star guy, even without a jump shot. But he knew, I got to learn how to shoot a jump shot. Russell Westbrook, go to the drawing board and start working on your jump shot. Figure it out. Do something about it. I mean, I'm tired of, oh, Russell Westbrook, he works hard. I mean, he's always flying around there and he brings all this energy. Bring some energy to your practices and bring some energy to figuring out your jump shot. This is not, shouldn't be a hard thing for a guy with, you know, his skill and or his talent and his physical ability, this is not something that should be that hard. There are tons of guys out there that I'm sure could help him with his jump shot if he wants to put the time in the gym and he wants to put the effort and work on looking at videos and seeing what's wrong. But, you know, this idea that he's just going to go out there and I'm going to rely on this and, and that's going to take me to a championship is just ludicrous. Yeah, and he needs to work on his free throw shooting while he's at it. But you know, no, you're right. The the jump shot is the big thing for him. And as far as Harden is concerned with the leadership, yeah, he can learn it. But Robert, I, I just don't see that it's going to happen. I, I feel like James Harden is who James Harden is. And you know, what bothers me is that he has he seems to have so much of a say in who his running mate is, basically. He couldn't coexist with Dwight Howard. He couldn't coexist with Chris Paul. He thinks he can coexist with Russell Westbrook. But, uh, you know, and I, I know it was a, a strange season all the way around. But nonetheless, uh, you know, after the first year, we get through this postseason. It certainly hasn't worked. So, I, I, I mean, 
I think that the Rockets management just needs to step up and say, look, this is the way we think this team should shape up. James, you, you've got to learn to, as you said, to be a leader, you've got to learn to coexist with people who can make you better. And he thinks that he that Russell Westbrook can make him better, but clearly Russell hasn't. And not only that, I, I feel like Russell has gone backwards in this season with the Rockets in many ways. A, a lot of the things that you just talked about. All right. How do you get more out of James Harden? Well, I, I'm going to give you two coaching candidates, and I've thought about this a little bit, Stephen. I haven't gone in super depth, but you need to give Russell. You need to give Russell and James Hart. You need to give them the clutch gene. You got to figure out some way to jam it into their bodies. And there was a player for the Rockets that has been around as an assistant in the NBA. He's going to be coaching in the Western Conference Finals, most likely. He has experience working under a guy that's won a championship. He is known by one of the Rockets' backup guards, and I'm sure that guy would vouch for him. And he is beloved by Rockets fans. And the guy that I'm talking about is Sam Cassell. It seems like he is the obvious choice if I'm the Houston Rockets for it. Because I, no Jeff Van Gundy or Tom Thibodeau, I, I've seen what those guys do. I don't want... I, and I'm not interested in some retread at this point, Stephen. There's not a guy out there that I'm, you know, I'm, do you want Billy Donovan? Do you want Brett Brown? No, I don't want no, those guys. not really. No. That's an intriguing name, Robert, I have to say. Sam Cassell, that, that is, is, I mean, it's one that you wouldn't think about. It's not, probably not in the conversation if you're talking about who the Rockets' new head coach is. What what I think is that it it has to be somebody that James Harden will listen to. Now, who is that person? You know, maybe James Harden doesn't listen to anybody, but it's got to be somebody that can convince both of these guys to buy in to whatever philosophy they have. I mean, look, if Phil Jackson could convince Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen to buy in to the, the offensive philosophy that he had, then it can be done, but it's got to be the right guy. It, it's obviously not going to be just any guy. And Mike D'Antoni is certainly not the guy because he's just too helter-skelter. He, he leaves it, in my mind, leaves it too much up to the players to decide how they play their game. Whatever coach comes in, they have to put a, a sound philosophy in place, but then they've got to make these two guys buy into it. And as you said, get that heart, as, as Rudy T put it, the heart of a champion to make it work. The other person that I was thinking about, and again, I I, I got to go out of the box. I, I want to find somebody that nobody would maybe suspect. And I don't know if this is so out of the box because this person has been rumors and conversations in the last couple of years. But, you know, you want somebody, if you're the Rockets, that's going to change up this offense and it's going to make it more versatile and guys are going to move without the basketball and you're going to show some versatility you're going to show the ability to put some effort, somebody that's learned under somebody that's really hard nose and, you know, doesn't put up with a lot of crap. Well, the person that I'm thinking about is Becky Hammond of the Spurs, who's worked under Greg Popovich for the last few years. Well, you know, she just interviewed for which job was it the other day? I know she interviewed for one. The Pacers? Head coaching job. Pacers, yeah. She did interview for the Pacers position. So that may not be as far-fetched as you think. Um you know, 
Yeah, that'd be intriguing. Uh, I don't know which one. Yeah, it'd be like flipping a coin. Which would you want? If you if you could only choose one, would it be her or Sam Cassell? You almost w- would try to figure out a way to bring both of them in, if if possible. But I don't know if either one of them wants to move to be an assistant, a lateral move. Well, like Sam that. Cassell certainly isn't going to move, uh, you know, for something like that. It would have to be a head coaching job. And I don't know that Becky Hammond would either. Unless Pop leaves. Unless Pop leaves. But then who's who's to say? Maybe she would be the next head coach of the Spurs. Two very intriguing names, Robert, I have to say. I, I hadn't thought of either possibility. I don't know that Daryl Morey will do that. He seems to, you know, in my mind, he seems to always revert back to, you know, the retreads, as you call them, or the coaches that have been around the block before. But clearly it hasn't worked. It hasn't gotten the Rockets past, you know, where they've been. So why not choose somebody that is up and coming? That's a a really solid assistant. I mean, I kind of like the Sam Cassell idea the more I think about it. A former Rocket who's won a championship. He's probably going to the Western Conference Finals, as you said. Why not choose somebody that is is young but but still has the, the game smarts and the experience as a player of winning a championship? You know, somebody younger that, that may be more on James Harden and Russell Westbrook's level rather than an older coach that they probably just aren't going to listen to. Maybe that's what needs to happen. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the thing with Sam Cassell, he's somebody that at least the fans for a second would be excited about. So, oh, yeah. You know, the fans have got to be kind of like pretty much out on this team at this point, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just kind of feel like he's somebody that um, James would have to listen to. I mean, he's somebody that uh, he, he's, he's a guy that demands respect, right? Yeah, and and just you know, and this is no slap against Becky Hammond, but you know the big question is, would they listen to her? You know, would they? Would she be fighting more of you know being the first woman head coach in the NBA than actually trying to get the team together? I'm not saying she couldn't do it, but you know, is that something that would get the most out of James Harden and Russell Westbrook? I, I'm just not sure. Well, she's seen a little bit about handling personalities with the way that Popovich does it. So maybe, you know, she's learned something about that. We always tend to look at Popovich assistants and Mike Budenholzer, you know, he's been a great regular season guy, but terrible playoff guy. And and he came off the pop tree. Brett Brown just got fired and didn't look all that great in his time in Philadelphia, as far as trying to figure out how to assemble Embiid and, uh, you know, with the Simmons and Bede combination. And that, that's a, it's a similar thing that you're trying to figure out here with the Rockets is you've got two guys in Harden and Westbrook, and how do you make them work together? And how do you get them uh, to do something when one of them has the ball and the other one doesn't? And, and also, you know, how do you redesign an offense around those guys? So could Becky Hammond do it? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily counted out and I also feel like you know maybe we've had a bunch of guys trying to talk James Harden into doing stuff maybe a woman trying to talk him into do something might help I don't know well there you go you know I thought of that possibility too is is uh, maybe he just he needs to hear it from from the other side here and maybe she can have some persuasive powers that the other guy coaches don't but I, I just the more I think about it Robert I, I just think the Rockets need to go with 
a guy that is more on their level that is not kind of, you know, on the lip of retirement. Because let's face it, that's, you know, Dan Tony is, is getting there. Jeff Van Gundy, yeah, Daryl wanted Jeff back before he hired Mike D'Antoni. But of course, you know, the previous owner put a, you know, Les Alexander put a stop to that because he, he didn't want Jeff back. So he, you know, if clearly the Rockets need to do something different and let's hope that if D'Antoni does indeed move on, which I really believe he will, whether it's that the Rockets don't want him back or he's not going to come back on his own accord, they just need to go in a completely different direction and a completely different philosophy. The other thing that I think the Rockets need to figure out, you can't get a superstar. You don't have room for it. I, I don't know if you can get a high-level B guy like an Eric Gordon because then you're, you're basically going to have to trade an Eric Gordon to get that guy to sign with you. you got to you know, somehow figure out a way to make the money. But somehow, some way, Daryl needs to find somebody with size that can also shoot a little bit. You know, Just somebody that can maybe not necessarily protect the basket great but at least you know be somebody that you shoot over you know you got to shoot over him a little bit uh because he's got some height on him but also somebody that can you know pop out for a jump shot even if it's not a 3 if it's a 2 like an 18 a 16 foot 2 or something like that you know something that a Clint Capella couldn't give you um but if you could find that guy somebody with length the other thing is Oh my goodness, please. I'm trying to say this nicely without cussing. Can you go find <laughs> us some three-point shooting? Can you if you're going to be a three-point shooting team, go find guys that can shoot threes. Ben McLemore is the one guy on the whole team that's a good three-point shooter. You know, it's it's not necessarily Daryl's fault that Eric Gordon has, you know, fallen into the toilet as a three-point shooter, but you know, Ben's like 6 foot 2. Get some more guy, I mean, at least get another guy that you can count on. Like if even if it's a Kyle Corver, somebody that can hit a three. Well, that's clearly what needs to happen. I, I still tend to think though that the Rockets need to be a better team in the paint, and then you know let the threes fall. But when the threes aren't falling, they they've clearly got to have a better philosophy, and they showed flashes of it, but they just never stuck with it. That that's really what they need to do is get out there, as you said, get some size in there. I I just have, I I cringed when I realized that they're going with this small ball lineup and the Lakers were one of the teams that worried me about whether it would work against this lineup. So yeah, those, those are the things that they, they definitely need to get some better shooting because as you saw, you know, once Daniel house was gone, nobody stepped up. I mean, you talked about Ben McLemore, but he just didn't step up in this series. Certainly not enough. You know, at the beginning of the season, you thought Chris Clemens might do it, but he didn't. So it, it's like you, you've got to keep shopping and keep shopping until you find the right product that's that's going to be a fit for you as far as the shooting and, and the three-point shooting goes. McLemore really didn't get a chance to get much rhythm most of these games. I mean, I think this game might have been his, the most minutes that he had, and a lot of that was probably in garbage time. But if you look at well, the whole game was practically in garbage time, but if you if you look at the other few games, I mean, if you're a shooter – trying to get hot in like eight or 10 minutes, which is what he was given, isn't super realistic. And, you know, the, uh, a guy that, the one guy that I thought had real room for growth and and, and a chance to become a, a better and better player, because a lot of these guys are going to go nowhere but down, was Daniel House. And I don't know what, 
you do with Daniel House. I, I guess he sticks around, but you know, can you count on this guy anymore? Because you know, he made the biggest blunder that you can make in a, in a situation where everybody knew what the stakes were. You're playing against the Lakers. You know that the, the NBA made up these rules. You know what you're not supposed to do, and obviously he did it. Well, and and that's the big. He put his team at risk, and he cost his team the series. Really, uh, you know, would the Rockets have still won the series if Daniel House had been in there? Maybe not, but they certainly would have had a better chance. But the, the biggest thing is he put his team at risk by doing what he did. And you know, Daniel House, I, I just as as great a player as he's been, you know, in flashes. My biggest problem with Daniel House is. You know how he he the the way he acted about the contract situation before last season, how that panned out, and you know he didn't come through in the postseason last year, and then just as he starts showing flashes that he can be a postseason guy, he does something stupid that gets him kicked out of the bubble. So I'm just not as I'm not sure I'm as confident in Daniel House, not just as a player. But as a person, you can rely on on the team. Well, a couple of things. I, I mean, I, I don't think he handled anything too wrong with the Rockets last year. You know, he he was in a good situation. It didn't seem like Daryl or anybody within the Rockets or anybody that I heard that followed the Rockets were upset with him. I think they were more upset that the Rockets had kind of put themselves in that situation where, you know, Daniel could basically say, look, uh, I, I'm better than this this kind of contract, but um, I, that was a tricky situation. Now, last year's postseason, I'm just going to say that he was a rookie. You know, this is his first year in the NBA as a as as a regular anything. I mean, he was he's a guy that nobody really expected anything of him coming out in the draft. He was not a first round pick. This is not somebody that I, I, I think he wasn't even picked in the draft, if I remember right. And so to 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 have him not do so well in his first playoffs, it, it's understandable. I mean, it's, I, I don't blame him, you know, too badly for that. I mean, but this, what happened this time around is awful. I mean, that's, uh, you know, there's, there's just, uh, it can't, can't be much worse than what happened to him. Uh, you know, as something as far as mentally goes than, than what, what happened uh, in the last few days. Yeah. I mean, it just, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the whole situation with Daniel House during the offseason, you know, do they want him back after this whole thing is over? Uh, and, and what, you know, how does this change him and how will this affect him moving forward? Anything else that you think that they could add? Like, where, what do you do if you're the Rockets? Where do you need to get better? Are you, when you say post, let me ask you this. When you say post presence, are you talking about somebody that can post up or are you just talking about a big guy? Well, somebody that could post up could, could certainly yeah, – they definitely need some better rebounding. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, in so many games where they get out-rebounded, they, they did hang in there with the Lakers for the most part in the rebounds. But, yeah, clearly and, – and certainly they've got to get better defensively. They showed flashes of it in the postseason, but obviously in this Lakers series, except for game one, the, the defense really wasn't hurt from at all. So a better inside presence, you know, posting up, but – you know, somebody who can play some defense too. You don't want to keep taking away from that either. Right. And I think Covington would have been the perfect guy, but he's not a good on ball defender. He's a great help defender. Right. He gets steals. Uh, he, he gets blocks occasionally. He does those sorts of things, 
but he's not a good on ball defender. PJ Tucker is fantastic. He's a really good defender. Um, hopefully you can keep Jeff Green around because he's been a revelation. I mean, he to me, he's a perfect guy for what the Rockets like to do. And if you can just keep him around at, a, at some sort of cheap cost, I don't know if that's going to be possible But after after what he's done. But if you could keep him, uh, he could help you at least a little bit with, with their bench. And the other thing I, I would say is, you know, if you want some post-up stuff, you got a great guy to post up. His name's James Harden. He's a big guard <laughs> and, and he's good at it. And, and if you get some guys around him that can shoot the basketball, you know, he could take advantage of that because you can't, you can't come off of those guys. And then James doesn't have to necessarily beat his guy off the dribble and then beat the guy running over to help out. And, and it, help, it would help James just to be in the post because you see when that defender comes at you, you immediately see that you can pass off to, to that guy and you're not maybe necessarily passing through three or four guys. And hopefully if you can, like I said, get some shooters, get some guys that can knock down the open three-point shot. As much as I love P.J. Tucker, you know, his percentage doesn't look so bad when you look at his three-point percentage. The problem is he's always wide, wide, wide open. I mean, as much as he's wide open, he should be hitting 50% easily. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about P.J. Tucker, he is getting older. So, I mean, I'd like to see them bring in someone that can back up him as time goes along and give some depth at that position, too. And, well, if you do that with James Harden, then you can't trade him. <laughs> it's, you you got to keep him on the squad if you want him to be more of a post-up guy. It has been a rough, rough week in Houston sports, to say the least. Ooh, talk about taking a beating. Yeah, it has, certainly has been. So the Rockets uh, finished their season. Uh, we're gonna we'll talk more about the future of the Rockets. I'm sure. Who knows that D'Antoni decision? We're doing this on Saturday night. We might find out uh, on Sunday. You guys might know this by the time you listen to it that uh, D'Antoni is gone. And you know, I don't know how soon we're gonna have a decision, but we can look at some of the candidates. I guess as they become available, or at least names comes out comes out and uh, see who might be out there, but. Um, it should be pretty pretty fun off season uh, to look and see what the Rockets are going to do with all this. Uh, hopefully, it's not just a, a run it back situation outside of Dan Tony. They're going to have to do some different things out there. But uh, just want to remind everybody to share us on your social media, tell your friends about us, and stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.